Good morning, Sens fans. How are you doing today? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Sens Hour podcast. Uh, Derek is running a little bit behind, so he will be joining us shortly. I hope you're all staying safe out there. And, you know, it's a great day. Uh, hockey starts up today at 530. We've got the Flyers and the Penguins kicking off the 2021 season. And the Senators obviously play Friday night uh, against Toronto, opening up their season in Ottawa. And so we're going to we're gonna prime you up for that. We have Ian Mendez joining us in about eight minutes' time. So once he has joined us, we will uh, we'll have him up and we'll start talking about camp and what he's seen and what he's, you know, what his views are with camp and how players have progressed. Hopefully we'll have a full NHL, you know, a full announcement of practice squad players uh, or taxi squad players come uh, come out today some point for the Senators and whatnot. But, you know, are you guys, I hope you guys are all excited for this. This is going to be a super fun year for the Sens. And I'm hoping that we'll be here to, to bring it along. We all saw the um, Derek's videos out. Uh, but Derek, thank you. Uh, you're finally here. <laughs> can, yeah, you can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. It's just your videos out. I don't know what's going on. I, I never left. I was <laughs> I was with you the whole time. But uh, yeah, some technical issues right off the hop again. Um, let me uh, let me hop out real quick, and I'll hop back in and see what's going on there. Yeah, uh, I mean, it wouldn't be a streamyard uh, live stream without some sort of technical difficulties. But you know. With that being said, we're going to start off with talking a little bit about the news yesterday. Obviously, we put Balsers on waivers, one of many players, and he ended up getting picked up by San Jose. A lot of you guys were upset. Some of you guys didn't really care. Uh, And here he is. He's back. But like I was saying, uh, a lot of you guys didn't care. Some of us did. What's your opinion on the Balsers uh, waiver pickup by San Jose? Yeah, I was disappointed. I mean... um... You know, Ottawa brought in a lot of veteran bodies. I think, um, you know, it's tough to ignore just the sheer number of bodies that they did bring in. So losing a guy like Balsers, who's still relatively young, I think 23 years old, so we can't really determine him to be super young anymore, but he's a relatively young player and he wasn't really given any opportunity, I guess, with the Senators. So I didn't think we really knew what we had in Rudolph uh, Balsers. So to me, I, I really wanted to see what we had in him before sending him off anywhere. And of course, he gets claimed for nothing by San Jose. So I was disappointed by it. I thought it was a little bit of a poor use of assets um, on the Senator's part. But all in all, in the big picture, is it, a, is it a big deal to lose You know, your 13th, 14th best prospect um, probably not. And he's going to go to San Jose and get an opportunity. I think I'm excited for Rudolph's Balsers because I think he deserves to have an opportunity. Yeah. And I mean, he, he's definitely going to get an opportunity to crack that top nine, even possibly their top six in San Jose. And it is uh, possible that if Balsers gets put on waivers, Ottawa could just claim him right back and play this game back and forth with him, which personally I would find hilarious. It would be really funny. And, and of course, he was part of the Carlson trade. So, I, I mean, you could make that what you want. But it, it doesn't really take away from the huge return that Ottawa got from the Carlson trade because that's basically centered around Tim Stutzla. But it still is something. 
Yeah, and I mean, it, it's going to happen. I mean, I think it was expected that we would have lost somebody. And with that being said, you know, people were freaking out about Willannon, if he was going to be on the roster, whatnot. I think it's confirmed that he will be in terms of the fact that he wasn't put on waivers. Now it's a question of, does he is he part of the opening night lineup? That's something we'll talk about a little bit later. I think so. I think it's kind of clear he's going to play over Corborn, in my opinion. If he wasn't on it before the scrimmage, I mean, I don't know what reason they would have him off of it. I know we didn't have eyes on the scrimmage. I know his defensive game's been criticized, and maybe we'll ask Ian about this specifically uh, when he hops on. But uh, personally, I think Christian Willannon is probably your best option outside of Thomas Shabbat offensively, unless I'm missing something. I mean, Good Branson's not an offensive guy. Josh Brown's not an offensive guy. I don't know what Artem Zub is, um, but but he's not even on the roster as of right now. So uh, I don't know. To me, Christian Willannon is a guy you need. I mean, they kept Eric Brandstrom on the NHL squad last year because Willannon was hurt. Yeah, and I mean, it would, our left side would most likely be Shabbat, Willannon, Coburn, Riley. Kind of, you know, I think versus like a team like Toronto – We'll see a guy like Coburn in uh, just for his physicality. If we're looking at a team like maybe Vancouver, you're going to see Riley in as our third pairing left-handed defenseman. And I mean, to be fair with, we're going to run seven defensemen and in and out of the lineup, no issue. And it's going to be very much a matchup game. And I'm super excited for it, especially at home. We're going to see a lot more matchups, but you know, I think we'll land in, you know, has, has shown that he deserves it. And we're, I think we're going to see like Willannon kind of break out. I think he's our dark horse right now for a breakout player. Yeah, I could see, I can definitely see Willannon breaking out. I look at the defense, the, the core of the defense and, you know, unless Mike Riley is suddenly much better offensively, I know he's kind of pegged as an offensive option and he's probably more well-rounded than a guy like Willannon. He's a little bit more sound defensively, but I don't think he brings the same quality offense that Willannon is capable of bringing. Yeah, and uh, you know, Ian just joined us, so we'll hop him in and uh, get started because I know he's a busy man right now. Yes. Hey, Ian, how's it going? Guys, uh, great to be here. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the camera's working, hopefully the microphone's working, and, uh, and we're good to go. Yeah, I think we got our technical difficulties out early in the show, so we should be fine from here on out. Yeah, we, we used that on me this morning. I had no camera earlier, so I've got a camera now. We're we're back in business. <laughs> nice. Now, Derek, you got to tell me uh, you're looking at me live right now. Yeah. Um, Your face let's, is let's, melting. <laughs> yeah. Let's compare the uh, the face that you're looking at now to that artist rendition that you did uh, and posted yesterday. I I don't know. I think it's a little bit. Uh, I think it's a little bit different. Shane, can you bring that up on Twitter for a second? Uh, I can definitely grab it. Give me one sec. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, so I'll explain myself, and I'll try to recover from it a little bit. But I was working till 11 o'clock at night last night. I'm not working my typical job right now. I'm working in a, a mental health treatment facility. Uh, so I do therapy myself, and uh, typically I'd be working out of an office, but our office is closed. Uh, so I'm working till 11 o'clock last night. I'm literally doing 10 things at once. Um, I get five minutes to sit down. And I was thinking in my head, I was thinking, man, if I make Ian look like a cartoon character, I can make him look like some kind of hero and he'll just want to come back on the show. So um, so I quickly fire there this. It is. 
There it is. What happened? Like, okay, so let let let's break this down here. Um, <laughs> like again, Start, starting looking, at the forehead. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking right at the forehead. Like, what is this? It's a lar- large kind of blotchy patch right in my forehead. <laughs> like, I, I listen. I can live with the other. What appears to be, I know it looks like wrinkles. Like, I. I <laughs> I get, I, listen, I'm 44. I get, I get that. I I'm looking a little bit older. But what like what is the white spot in the middle of the forehead? That's all. That's all I want to know. You know, every time too, I send. So I'll I'll make a graphic and I'll send it off to Shane, and Shane will be like, "Yeah, that looks great. Like, let's roll with that. Whatever." This time, I skipped that step, um, <laughs> and it was probably a mistake. <laughs> Honest to God, I looked at it really quickly and thought, yeah, this looks pretty cool. Let's uh, let's fire this off and let's go. And then people started messaging me and then you messaged me and I was like, oh, I need to take that down. That is horrible. No, I no, look no. At it, I love it. I love it. See, that's a great, it's a great way for us to launch this conversation today. Don't quit my, my day job. <laughs> that, that's, graphic design is fun, but it's, uh, it's not my thing, so. <laughs> I apologize for that. Ian, next time I will do my best to make you look like a superhero. I might even put you in a Superman costume. Oh, yeah, like a cape. Like let, let's let's really do this up next time. All right, deal. <laughs> Don't do it in like a five hour, like a five minute window next time. Yeah. No, and I did it from my cell phone too. I didn't have my computer, so it was like a cell phone oh. graphic. It was just uh yeah, it was just a mess. But uh I know we don't have you long, so we should probably get yeah. into uh some NHL stuff. Uh, basically, first off, though, we have to say congratulations on your new role with The Athletic. Um, I know Shane and I were super pumped when we heard that because we get to read your work and uh, and we get to listen to you ask, you know, the Sens brass, the questions that we want to hear. And we know that you're someone that's going to do that and not shy away from that. So, you know, as a fan base, we really appreciate that. So huge congratulations to you. And, and it's a huge, um, you know, win for the organization, for the fan base. Uh, so congrats on that, Ian. Um, you were in the CTC for the first time, probably in a long time. Um, you had a bird's eye view of the action. Um, what did you think of the scrimmage the other night? It's funny that you mentioned the term bird's eye because that's exactly what it was. We were at the top of the arena. So, you know, for people that have been to Canadian Tire Center, um, we're in the fourth level at the press box and there's nobody in there. So it is really hard to kind of like, thankfully the guys were wearing, uh, their jerseys with the numbers on the back. I'll tell you this. I went to practice yesterday and all of us in the media, nobody knew who was who because we're so far up. You, you, you're trying to read the little stickers on the back of the helmet and it's, it's really tough to sometimes differentiate uh, players from each other. But uh, it was really cool. And I think, um, I think I said this the other day uh, too. It was a real privilege for us to be in there. Like we understand the kind of frustration from the fan base right now that they're you're not seeing uh, scrimmages. And, and it really hurts, doesn't it, when you see other teams like, hey, we've got the Columbus Blue Jackets scrimmage is live here. And Maple Leafs had it on on Sportsnet. And you're like, well, what about us? Like, what, what, like, we would settle for, you know, we had, to, we had the, the best we could do was Brent Wallace had his iPhone up. And, like, that was as good as it got. And so it was uh, it was nice to be back in the building. I got to tell you that this is the one thing you're going to love about Friday night. I'm promising you, you're going to love those jerseys. Like it's Mm -hmm. unreal, 
unreal. Like, you're, like you're gonna see Brady Kachuk in the in the 2D logo, and you're gonna be like, yes, this is what we've been wanting for a long time. So it's gonna be really cool. But it was weird being back. Um, I know it's, I'm gonna go back on a Friday night. Hopefully, Touchwood uh, will be allowed back in the ring for the game on Friday. But um, it, it it was certainly eye opening, and, and obviously it was our first chance to kind of look and assess it, uh, assess some of the uh, the players in the organization with our own eyes. Yeah, I mean, it's good to see that the media was allowed in. I know a lot of people were just annoyed that media wasn't even allowed in to kind of give us the inside scoop of what was going on at practice and whatnot. But one of the biggest questions that everyone keeps asking is Logan Brown. Uh, Not named to the 23-man roster. Big expectation that he's going to be part of the taxi squad to start the year. What can you tell us that you know how he's done in camp and what they're looking for him if he were to make the big squad sometime this year. So Shane, this is, this is the frustrating part about not being allowed into practice for the most part is I can't really give you a definitive answer based on anything I've seen. Right. Because the only thing I saw was practice uh, the, the, the scrimmage on uh, Monday night. And in that scrimmage, he was already on what is kind of deemed to be the AHL roster, but it was interesting. Will Lannan was on that roster. Formington was on that roster. And I think if you had asked me like three weeks ago, uh, opening night, would Logan Brown play? I would have said, yeah, probably. Would Will Lannan be a lock? I would have said, yeah. And would Formington have been a lock? I would have said, yeah. Um, of that group, I'd like to think, like, I don't know how Will Lannan doesn't play. Like, Will Lannan should be there Friday night if he's not. Uh, I'll be one of the guys screaming uh, from the top of the mountains because th- this guy is super skilled. And I think after Shabbat, he's the most dynamic puck-moving defenseman they have. So I'd like to think he's going to play. As for Logan Brown, the other night, and I apologize because I don't have the the roster in front of me of, of who he played with, but he wasn't playing with anybody uh, with any finishing touch, so to speak. Like the issue for Logan Brown is I think it, it's a catch-22, right? He needs to play with talented players, but to play with talented players, you kind of have to work your way there, and it's like it's the chicken and the egg thing. I would love – this is just me. Okay, and because I still think that this year coming up, I don't think it matters whether or not they make the playoffs. I really don't. I think this year is about make sure that some of your young pieces, Brandstrom, uh, Willannon, Formington, Batherson, Stutzla, are trending in the right direction. And I would have put Logan Brown in that mix, and I would have said, um, what if we started the season, Logan Brown in the spot where Derek Stepan is? And I think the reason, the minute they got Derek Stepan, I was like, uh-oh. This doesn't look good for for somebody, and I'm thinking it's Logan Brown. So he didn't st- uh, jump out to me in the in the scrimmage. Obviously, he had a little bit of a hit on Shabbat that uh, raised a little bit of a kerfuffle, but that was really the um, extent of it. And that's about it. Like I I don't know what to say. Like I mean, uh, I'm as uh, perplexed, and um, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure the Logan Brown camp is frustrated. I'm sure, like, you know I'm I'm sure they are. But you would expect that out of any uh, any player who's uh, who's not going to get a chance to be there on opening night, but. I don't know where this goes, but it certainly it doesn't feel like um, he's going to get a shot here in the first couple of weeks. And but he, maybe the door will open. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be COVID. There's going to be lack of production. That's where this guy's got to pounce and and hopefully take advantage of it. And and it's not like we're talking about a ton of trade value. Like I know I see t- uh, sends Twitter blowing up all the time. Oh, Ottawa's done with Logan Brown. Time to move on. Time to you know get something for him. I mean, what's his projected worth right now he, he's had five consecutive seasons where he hasn't been able to crack the roster 
um, with any sort of consistency. So, I mean, is he really worth anything on the open market right now? I would say probably not. Like, I don't see what you could get uh, for him um, that would be an equal value. I mean, you'd have to look at the guys that were drafted around him. I, I want to say the, the Devils took Mikey McLeod, right? Right around yeah. him. And like, like Same thing, Mike, right? Same result. Yeah. Totally, exactly the same. And so if I said to you, whoa, the Devils want to move Mikey McLeod, you'd be like, well, that guy's not worth anything. And so that's, you know, sometimes we get so inward looking with the Senators, we overvalue our prospects. I think it's interesting on Logan Brown too, because in some in some cases, I'll, I'll use Curtis Lazar as the example. Lazar was like force-fed into the league. It felt like they shoehorned him in. And man, I, I wish they were more patient with uh, Curtis Lazar. And then Logan Brown's like the other extreme. You're like, oh, I wish they were, they, they just rushed him a little bit. Like, I, I'm sure that there's a happy medium there. I always I actually felt Zabanejad was the happy medium. I felt like Zabanejad, like people, Zabanejad, I think had three 20 goal years here. Like, like the guy was actually pretty good. I thought they brought him along in the right way. Um, but I, I don't know, Derek. I don't see there being a ton of trade value for Logan Brown. Like, go back and look at that 2016 draft and look at, like I, like I mentioned, uh, Mikey McLeod or anybody taken around there, yeah. you're now five years in. And, and usually uh, the history will tell you this is about the time that you should have already been an established player in the league, let alone just trying to uh, to crack the 23-man roster. Yeah, so any any sort of trade scenario would probably be, like, like you said, maybe a Logan Brown for Mike McLeod would actually work. You know, two guys that haven't really been able to make it where they are. Maybe you just swap them one for one and say, let's see what happens. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's and 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 for the people that are saying that uh, that Ottawa, well, let, let let's give Columbus Logan Brown as part of like a, a package for Pierre Luc Dubois. Like I understand. Look, I understand it. I understand what you're thinking, but like understand that Columbus is like we've got a stud, and we're not moving them for pe- we're not moving them for uh, three pieces that could be good players. We're looking for a one for one swap or something of that nature. So look, I appreciate uh, the fan. Like the fans are just so. And I think what's great too is what what's been really nice about the last couple of weeks, and you guys would would know this firsthand. It feels exciting that we're actually talking about the roster, and it feels like it's imminent. And it's not like remember back in like April and May and June and July and all that, and we're like, oh my gosh, when are they going to play again? And now it feels like we can actually have some discussions that matter on on guys like Logan Brown. Yeah, we were pulling at straws in that time, you know, looking for anything to talk about to keep people excited, but. Uh, it's finally upon us, uh, you know, fingers crossed, of course, with the COVID situation kind of running rampant right now, especially in the States. Um, we're hoping we're able to get there <laughs> first. Yeah, I mean, with Melnick's, you know, proposal, of like the 6,000 fans yesterday, and then he retracted it being like, it's not the time. So I know a lot of sense fans want into the arena, but another player that, has come up a lot and we saw it yesterday with the line combinations, Colin white, you know, people are like, Oh, you know, is he going to be benched? Is he going to be part of the lineup? Are we reading too much into what we're seeing in terms of line combinations? Is it something that DJ Smith is like, okay, if I put him in the top six, he can play with these guys. I just want to see where else he fits. Or is it possible that he's not in Friday's lineup? I uh, guys, I would be shocked if he's not in on Friday's lineup. I would be, I would be a hundred percent shocked. Um, the way they ran practice yesterday was a little, not weird, but like, I don't want to read too much into it. I really don't. I think 
let's get to Thursday and in particular Friday when they, if they allow us into the arena for the morning skate, I don't know, but that to me will be the telltale sign. Like sometimes we, we, we go crazy in training camp over, I can't believe this guy. Look, sometimes the coach just is like, I want to see something or I want to push somebody's buttons. And maybe they felt like they needed to push Colin White's buttons guys. He's going to, I think he's going to play Friday night. Like I think, the guy had what seven points in his last six games before the the season ended last year. You got him on a on a contract at you know whatever it is four point seven five. You're not doing that to him. You're not doing that to him. I don't think on opening night. Um, you might send a message to him, and maybe you start him on the fourth line, and maybe you start him with um, Austin Watson or Nick Paul or what, whatever it is. Okay, but if you put that guy out of the lineup opening night, it's a it's a the message is we made a mistake. And I don't think you want to send that message right away. And look, Colin White is an look. Colin White's an NHL player. There, to me, he's an NHL player. Is he a four point seven five million dollar player? He hasn't proven that yet. But I think we're we're it, it's the classic. Uh, we have nothing to sink our teeth into. So let's analyze uh, kind of the fifth line for Ottawa. But again, I understand it. There's not a ton of content out there uh, surrounding the Ottawa Senators, and so. Fans of this team want to ask some questions. So uh, if you're asking me if he plays, I would say it's a 99.8% chance Colin White plays uh, Friday night against Toronto. Maybe if he doesn't have a strong game, maybe you see him sitting out to Saturday, but I don't see a scenario where he doesn't play in the opener. And and speaking of some of those young players, um, we've seen DJ Smith release a couple of lines specifically in that top six that I think Sens fan base is really excited about. Uh, to me, I was actually surprised that they went with this uh, combination. But uh, what can you tell us about that top six with four players that are under the age of 22 years old? Um, that's, you know, that's a surprise to me. I think that's a nice, uh, nice youth injection there in the top six. What do you think about that top six? Do you think it's going to hold up or do you think it's kind of just a, a start? I think it's probably just a start. And I think one of the things we've learned in the last few years in the NHL is don't get too married to line combinations, right? Because coaches put things into a blender and they uh, they change it up. Like it's very rare that you get uh, around the league. Like like Pasternak, Marchand, Bergeron is like one of those. Hey, lock it in. Those three are together. But how many other lines can you think of in the league? Uh, you know, Colorado's got their big three that uh, they they sometimes stick together. But you look at some other teams. Toronto's always mixing it up, and uh, Vancouver mixes it up. Uh, McDavid and Drysaitel play together. Sometimes they don't. So. I don't know that we should be married to the idea of this is going to be Stutzla, Dadnoff, and Stepan, and uh, Batherson, Kachuk, and Norris all year long. But I like it, guys. I really like this because it's the perfect combination. I wonder if there's a little bit too much youth on that uh, Batherson, Kachuk, Norris line. Would they need um, a Tierney in there or flip out, uh, put a Dadnov in there? Like, I, I don't know. But I like this because now you're giving the keys to your offensive future. And, and this is why I love the Dadnov signing from day one. Like the Dadnov signing, it's very rare. I think you get Senators fans all on board with something, right? Like, and, 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 but that's, that goes for most fan bases. Do you, do you guys know any sense fan who was like, I don't know about this Dadnov signing? We were like, yeah, like people are high fiving each other. Like, this is awesome. Reasonable term, reasonable dollar amount. And a very productive player. Like, yes, this is exactly what they needed. So I love the fact that Dadnov's in there um, kind of stabilizing Stutzla. And this is going to be a lot of fun. I think opening night, for the first time in a while, 
it feels like there's like the actual presence of a top six and not just a top heavy line with one scoring line. So this is what I think is, is pretty exciting about uh, going into, uh, into the opener on Friday. Yeah. I mean, the top six looks great. Hopefully if Batherson, Norris and Kachuk all have confidence, they'll be running over people. But what about Matt Murray? You know, he comes in relatively good trade in terms of what we gave up for him, sign him to that big contract People say he looks shaky and, you know, the the five goals or whatever he let in in the scrimmage. Do you think that he's still – he can go back to his cup-winning ways or are we looking at a guy who kind of peaked early in his career? Well, this is – Shane, this is one of the most remarkable career arcs I think we've ever seen from a goalie. Like how many goalies have won two cups by the time they're 25 and then they're expendable? Like – uh, look, look at like Cam Ward won a cup early on and Carolina just was like, that's our guy forever. Like they never really gave up on Cam Ward. Matt Murray won two Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh was like, wow, Tristan Jerry's probably a little bit better in the here and the now. And, and you saw that in the in the play in series last year. So the thing on Matt Murray, the two things that basically got him out of Pittsburgh were injuries and inconsistency. In fact, if you look at his regular season record. He's only played 50 games once, so durability is not necessarily his strength. What has been his strength was um, getting on some really hot runs in 2016 and 2017. And the the question that needs to be asked was, uh, is, is that a function of that was a goalie playing behind a great team with Sid and Gino and, and Kessel and, and Chris, uh, Christopher Letang and some of the pieces they had in those uh, runs? Or was it a guy that was a critical piece? And so this is going to become, I think... The biggest question mark, like if you're if you're ranking question marks for Ottawa this year, and I and I I appreciate the fact that Logan Brown might be one, and Branson might be one, and Timmy Stutzla certainly would be one. The one piece that could fast track this rebuild better than anybody else is Matt Murray. Matt Murray guys could come in, and I'm not expecting the 930 whatever save percentage he had in the postseason. Uh, the first year he won the Cup with Pittsburgh. And I'm certainly not expecting the guy that was an eight and rocked an 899 last year in the regular season. If he can give Ottawa in the neighborhood of 920, like you, Matt Murray, come in and give us a 920 save percentage. All of a sudden, you look at the Ottawa Senators and say, this could be a pretty good team. But I, I also think that goaltending wasn't necessarily this team's biggest issue. I think a lack of depth on defense and a lack of depth and scoring punch up front would have been higher on my priority list, but they've now got a legitimate goaltender that should be able to come in and, and hopefully add some stability here. And, and one of the big, I guess, factors last year, there were many that uh, Ottawa finished near the bottom once again was special teams. Um, I know DJ Smith has kind of spoken about the special teams early on here, uh, suggesting that Ottawa is really focusing in on special teams this year and apparently from the scrimmage, the power play looked relatively new and good. Um, what can you tell us? What are your expectations, I guess, of that power play this season for the Senators? Oh, man. Was, was there anything more frustrating than the power play last year? Like, it was bad. And it was like, oof. It was it was terrible. I think that it was – I want to say it was 14.2%. Worst in the league. Like, worst, worst power play in the league. So – you take out a bunch of guys that were a big part of the power play last year. Uh, Duclair was a part of it. Uh, Pajot was part of it. Uh, they're out. But Dadnov's the key to this. You know, I, I talked to Thomas Shabbat yesterday, and I asked Thomas about 
what is specifically what does Dadnov do? And like you could see Thomas Shabbat's eyes light up. Like, hey, as a defenseman, I can't be happier than than, than this guy joining because he just knows where to go and he handles the middle of the ice. Uh, he says better than anybody he's seen. So, I think the the sort of stabilizing presence of Dadnov is going to help this power play immensely. They didn't have that kind of settle it down. Uh, guy like you you guys remember even uh, Spets on the half wall back in the day or uh, heck even if you want Alexi Kovalev on the half wall like just a guy to settle it down and be like okay guys it's going to be okay just relax and nothing's all uh, done at like a frantic pace so that's what Dadnov's going to do a couple of things that I thought were interesting and again I'd love to, to pass this along to, to to your listeners because again we we were the only ones in that scrimmage and you're not going to see the power play till Friday night so the the forward line that they had was Dadnov, Batherson, and Kachuk. And your immediate thought was, well, wait a minute. There's no natural centerman uh, in that trio. Brady Kachuk took the faceoffs on the left side. The, the, the two times they happened to do uh, the faceoffs, Brady took them there. I don't know what would happen if it was on the other side. Maybe, maybe uh, something else happens. But I thought that was interesting. So that's something to look for Friday night. If they're on the power play, does on the left side um, uh, faceoff dot, does Brady Kachuk take some faceoffs? The other part of this is Josh Norris was on the point, but not in the on the point in the traditional sense of like he was like Alfie back in the day. Uh, this was more like he was a rover and he was kind of moving around. Shabbat's at the top of the umbrella. So the 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 fivesome was Shabbat, Norris, Kachuk. Uh, Batherson and Dadnov, and I'm t- this one play that that Dadnov and Batherson had was like it was like a chef's kiss. It was like you couldn't have executed it better, and you're like wow. And Drake Batherson, uh, the other thing I noticed on on Monday night, wow, totally different player, ton of confidence, ton of poise. Like this is pretty exciting to see. So that's the kind of look for the power play. The second unit I think will feature Galchenyuk, Stutzla, and Stepan. I think. Um, so we'll wait and see. And I would imagine Will Annan, uh, is the guy that's quarterbacking that. So that's kind of what you're going to see uh, if they get the man advantage on on Friday night. Yeah, I mean that's exciting. Yeah, and I, I looked it up. We finished last fourteen point two percent. Yeah, on the power play. Uh, a lot of missed opportunities. That's for sure. Um, before we let you go, we have to talk about it. What are the expectations for Timmy Stutzla heading into this season? I know everyone's calling him, you know, Timmy Superstar, Calder, whatnot, but what are your expectations for him? Oh, I said this in my column today in The Athletic. I'm like, wouldn't like the best thing ever would be Tim Stutzla scores four goals in his NHL debut against the Leafs. We'd be like, yeah, suck it, Austin Matthews. Like, we like everyone would, everyone would love it, right? But I think the, the the two players that I'm going to draw a comparison to for Timmy Stutzla in his rookie year would be Marion Hosa and Martin Havlat. And if you remember, uh, Marty Havlat came in in, uh, I want to say it was the 2001-2001 season, and Marty was 19 years old. And he was a first-round pick, and he made the team out of camp. And Marty was like, pull yourself out of the seat exciting that first year. And and and, and same with Marion Hosa. And if you look at those guys' productivity numbers – in their rookie years, essentially as teenagers, or I think uh, Hosman had just turned 20, you're going to see that their goal production rate would put Stutzla at somewhere at like 15 goals this year. So if Tim, like, so, and it's kind of weird, right? Because we're dealing with a 56 game season this year. It's not the usual 82 games. We would say like, oh, we'd like 20 goals and 50 points. Like everything feels a little bit weird to try to make projections. 
But if I, if I'm looking at this and if Tim Stutzla can get 15 goals in a 56 game season, I think we should all look at that and say that's a successful rookie campaign. So I I imagine he passes that seven game threshold. That's when they have to make that decision on a uh, entry level deal. I I mean, boy. I'll, I'll come right back on your podcast in two weeks or three weeks if uh, if they decide to hold off on Timmy Sutzla and wait because that that'll be I think you're going to get a lot of angry fans at that point. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. Like we'll ha- make sure he looks like he fits in in the first half dozen games. But I think this kid is going to be a lot of fun. And it's been a long time. Like I can't remember the last time Ottawa fans were this excited about a rookie because remember when Brady Kachuk came in, there was kind of a little bit of like. People were a little bit holding him at arm's length with the, you should have taken Zadina. And then then you just, you watch one game of Brady Kachuk, you're like, ah, yeah, I love that guy. And so Stutzler comes in automatically with everyone uh, loving him. And this is uh, this is going to be a lot of fun to watch starting on, on Friday night. All right, quickly, one last one just on yeah. Stutzler as well. What do you think of the name change on the jersey? Oh my gosh. Like it's gone back and forth, hasn't it? Like it went so many times. Yeah, 88 like, and 88 yeah. to 18 to S T U E T Z L E to S T U T and then the umlaut is there and now the umlaut is back and uh, I don't know. Like it, it it's I feel bad for anybody who bought a Stutzla 18 jersey with the E. I know the team said, "Hey, listen, if you ordered one of these with a the name bar, hit us up. We'll get it at you." Uh, no cost, like we get it. It's like when Bo- like Bobby Ryan, what was he? He went from yeah, he nine, went from six to six nine, to right? nine, yeah, yeah, six to nine. And remember, people are like, uh, you know, and Bobby was like, I'll, I'll take care of it. So I get it, but it's, it's like the weirdest thing, right? Like how they couldn't have just figured this out from the get go. And now I know, like everybody's adding the German keyboard to their phone or adding, you know, making sure like people. I've seen people like, I don't know how to get the umlaut. Uh, in there, you know, depending on your keyboard, all you got to do is press that U down and it, it pops up as an option. But I like I, I think now, in fact, we had a little bit of an internal discussion editorially at The Athletic uh, a while back about how are we going to do this? And we, we had decided on S-T-U-E-T-Z-L-E because we thought that's what he was going to go with. And then we had to reopen it last night and say, OK, starting this week, we'll go with the uh, the umlaut U because that's what his preference is. So it's a weird one. For sure, but it just kind of feels like it fits right in sometimes, doesn't it? With uh, with being an Ottawa Senators fan, <laughs> absolutely. I think it's more fun to write. Like personally, yeah. writing with the UE, it just it never felt right to me. You know, putting putting something together and having to add that extra E, I had to think about it every time I was doing it. And with the Stutzla, with the you know, with the umlaut in there, it just looks cooler. Um, I don't know if the NHL jerseys can have. Uh, characters on them so we might see stu without the umlaut like it it may not even be on the jersey i don't know yeah that's you know i don't you know what that's a good point i don't when magnus payarvi was here do you guys have any recollection of payar i don't think he because i think technically you were supposed to spell his name with an umlaut somewhere right yeah i think so i think there's like a umlaut of like above an a or something like that yeah yeah, over one of the like the five A's in his last name or whatever it was. But I, I don't know. I think you're right. I think you're right. I don't think they can have the little uh characters. <laughs> Again, it know, just like, adds another layer of weirdness. Oh, like one of um, I think it was Fasca or Raska for the Czech Republic or Slovakia. Yes. He had a character above his above the A in his name at the World Junior. So I think it's just yep. personal preference. So I guess we'll find out Friday when, when he takes exactly. the ice, when he does his yeah. rookie lap. We'll we'll see that then. 
Uh, should should we end this off by, and I know I said the last one was probably the last question, but I, I'm going to slip one more in there uh, before you have to go. Um, TSN analysts, they all had Ottawa finishing seventh in the North Scotia, North Division, whatever you want to call it, division. Um, where do you see Ottawa finishing this season? Look, I, I think... If you ask the average person, uh, and I've, you know, I've I had the pleasure of doing a bunch of radio interviews across Canada this week, and every single, whether I was doing it in Winnipeg or Vancouver or even Regina, everyone was like, well, Ottawa's finishing seventh. So I don't think there's any expectation that they finish higher than seventh. But I, like, if, like, listen, if you're asking me if all things stay equal and no team is decimated by COVID and everyone stays healthy and performs somewhere close to where they should – I think it's fair to say Ottawa finishes seventh, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think um, their window to compete starts next year. They, this year is a free spot on, on the bingo card. So, yeah, I, I would agree with the idea that they probably finish seventh, but it wouldn't shock me if if one of those somewhat inconsistent teams, Vancouver, Edmonton, Montreal, they've all been riddled with inconsistency in the last four or five years. Winnipeg, some people think that they've hit a peak and are starting to come back down. Uh, wouldn't shock me if one of those four teams – uh, things went awry for one of them and Ottawa hit their ceiling and, and finished ahead of them. But I still think that the idea of making the playoffs is probably uh, probably give them a 5% chance out of 100 to to make the postseason. But hey, listen, in a truncated 56-game season, uh, never say never. Yeah, I mean, we know Vancouver's already hit by it. They lose Ben and Miller for the f- first two weeks of the season. So who knows what happens with them when we face them because we were like their, work, their game five or – yeah, five or six, seven, eight for us. So yeah, who knows what happens by then? They could be zero and zero and seven by then. <laughs> exactly, and the, these these first couple of weeks are going to be really interesting because I think and you remember the year that Ottawa in uh, 2012-13, it was the, the lockout shortened year, and like Craig Anderson came out like bananas, hot. Like he, they had like a one fifty goals against and a nine fifty save percentage first six weeks of the season, and they built up enough kind of cushion in the first six weeks of the season to ride it out and make the playoffs stranger things have happened in a, in a shortened season so you, you you can never say never absolutely they even kind of fooled management into thinking they were true contenders <laughs> and then they went out and made some mistakes the following off season but uh but that said ian uh, i know you've got to run you've got tons to do today um, so really, really thank you for, uh, for coming on the show, despite that awful graphic that I made, yeah. um, still coming on, uh, and I am going to go delete that now, but, uh, but thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate you and, uh, we'll chat again, uh, sometime soon down the road and we'll have some NHL hockey to talk about. Yeah. You bet you guys. My pleasure to come on. always love uh, chatting with, uh, with the two of you, Derek and Shane and, uh, listen, enjoy the start of the season and, uh, yeah, we'll talk to each other again real soon. Thank you for coming on. You betcha. All right. Have a great day, guys. Have a good one. All right. There you have it. There's Ian Mendez, about half hour worth of his input. It's always great to have him on the show. Uh, We're going to take a quick break uh, after a quick word from our Caps Chirps friends who do the Capitals podcast for the network. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. And when we do, we'll have, you know, more Suns content for you. So you like hockey? Congratulations. You're amongst the smartest sports fans in the world. Want to fight about it? Join me, the Hockey Troll, and that snack, Polly Cupcakes, 
every Monday and Thursday on the official Caps Chirp podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL, your Washington Capitals. Not only do we bring you the best Washington Capitals coverage, but we've got the hottest takes and the tastiest content. Tune in wherever you get your podcast and at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Chirp us on all social media platforms at Caps Chirp. See you beauties and vendors there. All right, and there are boys from the Caps Chirps podcast. And just so you remember, we do have our customized sports giveaway going on right now. Uh, go to our Twitter or Instagram to enter. Head on over to customizesports.com. You send Zara to get 10% off your order. For any of your Timmy Stutzla fans, they do do the name bar with the amulet. So if you wanted to get a customized jersey, didn't want to go through the Sten store, they can do it for you. Super easy to apply. Uh, so definitely head on over there. And also we have our affiliate programs, uh, NHL Shop, Hockey Canada Gear, Lids, and Fanatics. Need a new jersey? They can help you out. Fantastic place. Follow the links. Help us out while you're shopping for your favorite gear. So with the amendments, we've got a couple of insights. We still have our own uh, discussions. And we're going to start off with the roster. Some surprises. Uh, not going to lie, personally. But overall, I think the roster is what we expected it would be looking at who was on one-way contracts. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually more surprised that there isn't as many surprises, uh, if that sounds funny. I think with the, you know, just the way training camp was with very little eyes in, as uh, we talked about with Ian, even the people that were allowed in had to sit, you know, basically on the roof to watch uh, the scrimmage so they really couldn't see anything anyway. Um, so, yeah, with, uh, with very little eyes in, uh, my... First impressions, uh, I'm happy, especially with the looks of that top six heading into the season. Uh, I think Ottawa is showing a commitment to play the young players this season. Um, and DJ Smith starting off with that, especially that top line of Norris, Batherson, and Kachuk. It's uh, it's somewhat crazy to think about, but uh, Brady Kachuk is the youngest player on that line, which is funny because he's also the most experienced player on that line. But uh, yeah, Drake Batherson is 22 and the oldest player on that line, which is kind of mind-blowing. And insulating Tim Stutzla with two veteran players, I think, is good because the veteran players are Stepan and Dadanov. And I think, you know, having Stutzla paired with Dadanov is going to be really, really good for him. We'll see how long that lasts. But uh, having him with the most prolific scorer on the team gives him a real chance at a Calder. That's for sure. And I mean, it's so looking at the roster that Ian Mendez, or not Ian Mendez, um, Mark, I'm not, Brent, Brent Wallace. There we go. Um, one of those guys. Brent Wallace put out our average age is 26.8. Like, that's ridiculous. That's a young, you know, team overall. And that's a team that should be competing over the next couple of years. Our average height is six, like six, uh, six, two. Some big, big words team. on there. That's a big team overall. It certainly is. They're, they're not going to shy away from the from the physical game. And that's kind of the game that they want to play. That's the style they want to play. If you look at their leadership group and, you know, Brady Kachuk, he wants to play that style of game and make life miserable for maybe some of the quote unquote softer teams in the league. Um, you know, I'm looking at you, Toronto, even though you've added a, a few 
gritty players, I still think Ottawa has a significant edge when it comes to playing that sandpaper style. And um, one thing that's guaranteed is Ottawa is going to be miserable to play against. Yeah, I mean, you're going to see Coburn go into the corner with Matthews and get run over. I mean, yes, skill-wise, Matthews can beat, you know, Good Branson and, and Coburn on, you know, any given day. But if they can line up a hit or even just get physical with these guys and finish their hits, that's where Ottawa's going to wear teams down, especially in a three, you know, a three-game series. You know, by game three, that team is going to be worn down. So even game two, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Ottawa uses their their size and their physicality to help them win games. I mean, everyone on the roster likes to hit, can hit, can lay the body, which is good to see. You don't want a roster where some players aren't willing to hit. And, you know, Timmy Stutzla is definitely someone who wants to hit. And that's a huge bonus to the team. Yeah, it's also a nice kind of energy creator for just the guys on the bench. I mean, everyone kind of waiting to step on the ice feeds off the energy that the line that's on the ice is going to bring them. So, you know, anytime you see a big hit or a big collision, we've seen one, a few of them actually, even in the scrimmage. So in the internal scrimmage, you've seen a big hit from Logan Brown, which I have to see to believe because I've never seen the guy throw a hit in my life, but um, but allegedly hit and possibly hurt Thomas Shabbat. And then of course, Brady Kachuk wrestled him down to the ice. Um, you know, a, a great sign of leadership, even though it's an internal um, scrimmage and practice, uh, Brady Kachuk is willing to stick up for who he deems the most important players on the team. He always will be. Um, so that's a, that's a great sign. Timmy Stutzla, like you mentioned, he's another kind of energy player that he now loves to go out and hit. It's not something that was part of his game in the past in the DEL, but he didn't have the strength to do it, and now he does. So it is pretty fun to watch. Yeah, and I mean, it's only going to get better. And I think overall, you look at the roster and you look at the line matchups, I would not be surprised to see Colin White as our third line center, probably beside Galchenyuk and Connor Brown, with uh, Tierney as our fourth line guy centering, you know, uh, Paul and Watson to start the season. But who knows? Maybe, maybe Watson or maybe Anisimov uh, shows that, hey, we can do it. I can do it. And, it's gonna be interesting to see how he manage how he manages this uh, the players on this roster. You know, it's it's really funny, Shane, because prior to uh, the scrimmage, really, the two players that were talked about most as having the most kind of outstanding training camps, Colin White and Artem Anisimov, and now we're talking about potentially both of them not being in the lineup, or if they are in the lineup, being on the very bottom line you know, playing alongside Austin Watson and probably, you know, Nick Paul or Cedric Paquette. So it, uh, it's kind of a huge um, contrast from what we heard before this. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, to be fair, I think we all expected uh, Anisimov to be a bottom pairing, like a bottom line guy, right? Like we weren't expecting him to play... Like, we weren't expecting him to be a top six player. We were expecting him to be a fourth line guy. I think most people were like, oh, yeah, he's going to center the fourth line. And, you know, we'll probably trade him at the deadline or something. I think that's kind of still in play. I would not be surprised to see Anisimov be one of the guys traded come the, the deadline. Oh, absolutely. I thought, personally, I thought they were trying to pump his tires up a little bit, um, you know, in the media, just suggesting that he's had a really, really great camp and, you know, maybe some takers would be on that, specifically Chicago, who really needs people right now. 
Um, and I'm surprised they haven't made a deal work for either Anisimov or Tierney. And I thought it was, I, I had narrowed it down to one of those two guys that had to go. And unfortunately they couldn't move either of them before Balsers. So, you know, Balsers gets claimed. And if it, uh, if it had a, went a little bit differently, maybe one of those guys gets moved and Balsers is still here. So. Yeah. But I mean, apparently it sounded like, you know, there was reports that they were trying to move Balsers anyways, and there were just teams not willing to, to trade for it. And I mean, Hey, there's some players that don't have much trade value in terms of, uh, not bringing back another player in return, right? If so, I think like it's the same thing with Lejoie, right? We're not going to be able to get a draft pick out of Lejoie. We had to take another player back, and I think you know maybe the offers for Balsers weren't ideal, and they they risked putting him on waivers, and maybe they thought like, hey, no one was really willing to trade for him. Maybe no one's going to claim him. It's one of those risks that you take whenever you put a player on waivers. It's unfortunate that it came back to bite us. Absolutely. I think of the players on waivers, and there were so many of them, you know, Balsers was one of the younger players who you still didn't really know what he was. So I think that was kind of the intrigue. But at the same time, it was probably more a case of trying to get back something from an awful trade on San Jose's end that made them pull the trigger on Balsers. Maybe. And I mean, their top nine is kind of god awful right now. And Balser should be able to crack it. And long-term, he should be part of San Jose's long-term future as well. You know, there there was some speculation that Balser's wouldn't even be in Ottawa next year. He could have gone to Seattle. They may have just let him walk or, or try to move him then. So I, I don't know. I, I have no issue with him being going to San Jose. He gets a chance to play. But, you know, big things are happening in Ottawa, and I think we need to continue to work on the positives and focus on the positives. Losing Balser's, who, again, is probably a 14th, 13th to 15th best prospect in the system. There's only 12, like there's 12, you know, there's 12 forward spots. So, and you can't fill them all with prospects. It's just some, that's just not how it works. I'm not losing sleep over it. I'm not going to cry over spilt milk. But with that being said, you know, what does it say about Formate? Like, does it say that Formanton and Abramov are, are ready to, to make that leap into being, you know, a top nine forward in the next two, three years? Maybe. I guess time will tell. But where where do you think Ottawa sits in terms of Belleville? Like, I, I, I wanted to ask uh, Ian Mendez, as I'm not sure if he would have known. There's a chance that Belleville plays in Ottawa like Laval's doing with Montreal. So we'll be able to get a hand. Like, we'll actually be, like, we might be able to have some of these guys at practice being like, okay, this is what we're seeing. Where do you think these players fit if they're not on the taxi squad? How they're, how Belleville's going to shake up? Uh, I think they'll still be a really strong team. I think if uh, Logan Brown is you know centering that first line, you still got, uh, you still have Shalapic. I know uh, currently, I think he's on the taxi roster. If I'm not wrong, um, uh, I know he's on the the uh, cap friendly taxi squad. Right, roster. we don't have that taxi squad roster. Uh, just yet in front of us. So we'll have to get a look at that. But uh, I thought Chalapic had an outstanding uh, scrimmage the other night, you know, based on, again, based on what I'm reading and what I'm hearing, because we can't actually see physically how people are doing. Um, I still think they have one of the strongest American Hockey League teams, despite losing uh, Rudy Balsers. 
Um, I'm still expecting big things out of that team. They lost um, Max Lejoie as well, although he was playing relatively um, third pairing minutes anyway. Um, from you know, it's crazy going from the, the chances that he had at the NHL and just how good he was at the beginning of his NHL career, and then kind of dropping off the face of the earth a little bit and going way down to playing third pairing minutes in the AHL uh, to being traded now. So. I still see this as one of the strongest American Hockey League teams. Um, I think they'll be loaded. I think in net, they're extremely strong with uh, Decord and Gustafson, although one of those goalies has to be on the taxi squad as well, we should note. So uh, the taxi squad's probably going to complicate things a little bit, but they just have so much depth down there that I think they're going to be fine regardless. Uh, I'm looking forward to, I, I, I'm telling you right now, Alex Formanton's going to have a monster year in the American Hockey League. Yeah, I mean, there. I, I saw somewhere on Twitter saying, oh, how about we put, we keep Mandolozzi as our third goaltender, send Decord and, uh, and Gus, and Gus yeah. down to the AHL and have them be our tandem mm-hmm. because the likelihood of Mandolozzi actually playing a game is relatively slim. He's most likely just going to back up. You know, if Murray goes down or Hogberg goes down, third goaltender is most likely just going to be the backup anyways. He can kind of practice with the big squad and whatnot. I'm honestly kind of surprised that Ottawa didn't go out and get a veteran goaltender to possibly be that third goaltender. Yeah, uh, just a taxi goalie. Yeah, but I mean, because like realistically, you don't want Decor just practicing with you know, four other guys or five other guys when the AHL is going on, but you don't want Mandalozzi or Gustafson sitting in the press box in Belleville to have Decord play. So, you know, I'm kind of surprised that, you know, they didn't go out and grab a, just a goalie to be like, okay, you know, well, you can, uh, you can be a practice squad goaltender. Well, you'll be basically a backup. You'll play if you have to. And then kind of load maybe Mandalozzi to another team that might need a goaltender like Toronto or, or Manitoba or, you know, even one of the American teams because you have no interest in calling them up. You can send them to, you know, Providence or, or whatever. I'm kind of surprised they didn't go that route, to be honest. Absolutely. And, and while we're on the subject of the AHL, one of those AHL kind of graduates, so to speak, coming into the NHL this year that Ian Mendez touched on that personally I'm excited about now, especially after hearing Ian on him, uh, Drake Batherson, Ian is saying looks like a different player this year. And that could be a massive difference maker for the Ottawa Senators. Because if you're looking at that right side, uh, specifically, I thought it was maybe a little bit weak. You have Connor Brown, who's more suited to be a third line player who's you know a, a solid defensive player put up good points last year but he was playing way up uh, as opposed to kind of where he should be playing if drake batherson is a legitimate uh right winger this year and breaks into the league as a as a true top six player we're looking again at a different element that we didn't think we had yeah i mean again we we saw it with vancouver last year in uh jt miller he kind of broke onto the scene no one really expected to have 72 points. He was a point-of-game player when the season ended. On pace to be, you know, 83, 84 points in a full 82-game season. Batherson can be like that for Ottawa. You know, he has that capability of kind of... I'm not going to say he's going to put up like 72 points or be a point-of-game player. 
But I think he's going to be one of those guys that if he produces, even at like a 75-point-per-game player, you know, he's going to have an impact on the game. He's going to get those power play points. And I'm excited. I think our power play is going to make or break this team. If we can have a, a middle-of-the-pack power play, and you heard it last year, people were like, oh, you know, if Ottawa had a middle-of-the-pack power play, they would be higher in the standings. If Ottawa has a middle-of-the-pack power play, who knows what happens? There were plenty of games last year where, you know, we were on the power play, we didn't score, the team came down and scored on us, and it was kind of game over. If we can score on those power plays, it's a completely different ball game, and he he could be a big part of it. Obviously, Dining off and Stefan will, but if he's on, you know, the first line, if he's on the first power play unit, the sky's the limits for him. Him and Norris both. Yeah, and, and Ian alluded to this earlier, but this year is kind of a freebie on that bingo ticket if you look at it in that way. Ottawa does not have expectations this year, and that's that's a huge deal because if you think about that for a second, all these other teams, especially in the North Division that we're playing in, they all have aspirations of making the playoffs. They have expectations of making the playoffs. And although Ottawa has internal expectations, you heard Brady Kachuk talk about it, of making the playoffs – realistically, nobody expects them to finish anywhere but the seventh position. So this is almost a, a perfect storm, if you will, in a 56-game season where Ottawa could actually start to impress some people and a lot quicker than we think. Hey, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The team that has the most to lose in this in this uh, division is Toronto. Toronto has the most to lose. You can probably put Calgary and Montreal right behind those two. Ottawa has the least to lose and the most to gain. You know, even if we finish sixth or fifth, that's still one or two spots better than people thought we were. And yeah, people are going to put it up to, oh, you know, this team probably dealt with COVID, whatever. There's going to be excuses across the board. But we have nothing to lose, and, and the team's going to probably play like that. They're going to play as a spoiler more than a team trying to compete for a playoff spot. And I think it's going to be one of those things where, hey, we're going to play spoiler, and if we end up in the playoffs, we end up in the playoffs. But every game, this team can play spoiler if they were to get on a run. And I'm excited to see what happens. The NHL starts the season technically tonight. Um, are you going to be tuning in to the Maple Leafs-Canadians game to kind of scout the competition for Friday? I will be tuning into every game tonight. Uh, I'm not even joking. Like I'm, I'm going to have my computer with the game. I'm going to have it on the TV. So basically, I'm going to have the fi- I'm going to put the 5:30 game on the Philly Penguins game on the TV at seven o'clock. I'm going to switch it over to the Toronto Montreal game while continuing to watch the Pittsburgh game on here, and then go over to the eight o'clock games and have both the ten o'clock games going on at the same time. I'm going to watch as much damn hockey as possible. I only work until one. I work eight eight fifteen to one on Thursday. So I'm going to get home around like 30 I'm going to watch as much hockey as possible for the next like month. Man, I would be right there with you. I have to work. Unfortunately, I have to work until 11 o'clock tonight and tomorrow night. Um, so I'll be recording the games to watch them back. And I probably won't be doing a lot of sleeping this week, unfortunately. So uh, come Friday, I'm going to be really tired, but, uh, but I'll be kind of wired at the same time because I'm just so excited for this uh, senator season to finally get underway. I'll definitely be looking uh, at the Leafs and Canadians game specifically to kind of eye up the competition and try and find some holes in the Leafs game. You know, there's going to be holes. 
So, uh, so I'm going to be looking specifically at that um, and at where Ottawa can kind of expose them this year. I think they lost some of their depth um, scoring players in replace of some, uh, you know, grindy uh, players that aren't afraid to mix it up a little bit. So we'll see if that helps the Leafs balance it out. I still think their decor isn't necessarily a strong one. Um, so that might be an area that you can exploit if you're Ottawa. But all in all, the Leafs are expected to be one of the best teams this year. So uh, it will be uh, definitely Toronto fans are going to be expecting to run all over the Senators. We know as Sens fans that uh, Ottawa's not going to let that happen. They're going to go in uh, with a fighting spirit and they're going to fight for every inch of the ice out there. And they're probably going to come out with a lot of steam. So uh, personally, really looking forward to Friday and Saturday. It's going to be one hell of a weekend. Yeah, I mean, hey, just so you remember, just so you know, we have our fantasy starting today as well. Uh, if you weren't seeing, if you didn't see our live draft, uh, it is on our YouTube. Head on over there; you can watch it. It's a fun one. We have our, um, we have we did our fantasy draft. I'm in three different fantasy leagues. Fantasy starts tonight for you, fantasy heads. Uh, starting next week, if you guys, I think we're gonna start doing a little fantasy show. But, man, it's going to be fun. There's a lot of interesting pieces. Uh, I'm debating on picking up Hoglander. Hoglander. I have Timmy Stutzler in one of my leagues. Nice. I have Kaprasov in another. Um, I have. I might drop Connor Brown because I have him in one of my leagues. But my like my like I went defense heavy. Like My defenses are friggin' phenomenal. Yeah, I was looking at some of the players, and unfortunately, I fell asleep before the fantasy draft ended up happening, so I kind of got auto-selected, but I ended up with some pretty good players, like Artemi Panarin is on my team, Mika Zibanejad, Steven Stamkos. I mean, it's not too bad, um, but uh, you know, for those that don't know, I don't typically play fantasy, so I genuinely have no idea. This is going to be a learning experience for me. Um, and I'll be trying to wheel and deal because uh, because I wasn't part of the fantasy draft. So uh, I'll be doing my best to try and wheel and deal and make some trades. Yeah, I mean, I just I, – I go through. Like, I, I drafted Boro, but I just dropped him because I don't think he's going to be playing much. And I just – as much as I like Boro, I just don't see it being worth it. Um, I, got, I added Dumoulin instead. But, yeah, definitely going to be some interesting – some interesting games going on tonight. So I'm going to be watching just to keep track of my my fantasy. And I have a couple. I have like three different Pittsburgh players. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I have to remember to set my NHL app to not give me every reminder of every goal that's scored. <laughs> or my phone's going to be going crazy at work. So... Yeah, that's uh, that's something I'm going to have to do, work at the settings. And I'm recording games, so I don't want it to uh, to be spoiled. So I'll probably be less active on Twitter just because uh, I'll be working late. So I don't want uh, any of that news to be spoiled before I get home and get to see the recorded games. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I understand. I could never do a recorded game. It's not – I just – I can't do it. It's not in me to do it. But, like, if it's on repeat, I'll rewatch it kind of thing. Yeah, fair enough. I'm, I'm probably the opposite. I, I don't like to rewatch games. I'll rewatch highlights, um, especially when the Senators do well. But uh, but oh, uh, I'm not so much rewatching games. Um, breaking that. news about the Taxi Squad. Oh, okay, cool. Um, 
you know, uh, so so far Joey Decord, Jonathan Asperat, Artenem Zum, Philip Schlappick, Michael Haley, Matthew Pekka. Uh, so Logan Brown, Eric Branstrom, Alex Formanton, Philip Garcison, and Christian Yaros have all been designated to Belleville, according to Murray Pam. He is one of the writers for Full Press NHL. Uh, I'm kind of surprised. I love the Asperat uh, edition. He that's, that's a shocker for me. But is that not because they don't want to send any kind of prominent player in Belleville down? The Joey well, Decord thing is it's that's uh, you know that's a little bit surprising because we well, just no, we I, just talked about that. You well, want him he, playing? Yeah, but I mean, I guess with you know Gustafson and Mandelosi, you know Decord's on a one-way contract next season, so they probably want him to get a climate like a climb or accustomed to playing in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I'm not surprised. You know, he's probably out of the three goaltenders, he is the most NHL ready. So if you did have to play him in a like in a in a pinch, he's probably the best bet. I know we literally just talked about having Mandelosi and whatnot, but I'm I'm really surprised about Asperat. Like I really like this kid. Like I think he is an underrated defenseman. And he could be someone that shows that he can be an NHLer, but I, yeah, I'm a little I'm a little surprised by the list a little bit. Um, you know, most of the players not too surprising, but yeah, Asperot's he's only a 21 year old, so um, uh, relatively uh, well, he's not a huge defenseman. He's six feet, 200 pounds. Um, he put up 16 points in 44 games last year in his first season with Belleville. On an um, AHL contract, like I think that like he came in on a, like a, an ATO, got signed to an a, or a PTO, got signed to an AHL contract, and then played his way into an entry level deal. That's a pretty cool story, yeah. Undrafted player, so um, that would be a cool story if he could be uh, if he could become an NHLer at some point this season, or even get a couple of games in the NHL, that would be a, a pretty cool story. Um, Artem Zub, I think um, definitely on the right side would probably be the first call up. If anything happens to the D uh, just looking at this roster, Mike, uh, Matthew Pekka is someone who's played in an Ottawa uniform before. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him up and Philip Schlappick who uh, had an outstanding camp, in my mind, although again, we don't really know. Uh, but just based on what I'm hearing from people, he had a pretty good camp. So he makes the taxi squad roster. Um, and in all honesty, that looks like the AHL first line will be Logan Brown with um, Alex Formanton and um, and Vitaly Abramov. Well, Abramov is on uh, IR. He start, according to Cap Friendly, he's starting the season on okay. uh, season opening injury reserve. That's so where cool. he went. So I was wondering the whole time. I'm like, where the heck is? I haven't heard of him. Haven't seen a picture of him. So he's on IR. That explains. I know he got the whole hurt thing. overseas. So I would expect him to probably in the first line, some sort of you know, Formanton, Batherson, or uh, Brown, Sokolov. Oh yeah, line. that would be cool, man. It would be cool to see Igor get a shot. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to look at that penalty shot he took, but he had a pretty slick move and tucked it five hole on Matt Murray. Yeah. I, I still can't believe that Asperat made the taxi squad. He is not the guy I thought 
would make the taxi squad. Yeah, that's a bit of a shocker. But it, it could be, again, because Ottawa wants some of their more prominent players to get game action in the American Hockey League. That's for sure. And I hope that's the case. And, I mean, I'm still excited to um, to see what happens with Belleville, if they're going to play in Ottawa, or that, you know, if they're going to play out of Belleville, because that's going to be a huge thing. And um, what, what do you think about the whole Eric Brandstrom thing? Like, he wasn't really at a large percentage of camp due to being in close contact with someone who had COVID. Um, you know, what do you think about Brandstrom? Where is he at? Um, are you kind of in that giving up on him? We need to trade him mode yet, or is it more of a, let's see what he is this season and, and give him a chance when he gets called up. Um, I, I think he's going to be given uh, like an actual opportunity. I just think like he was a guy that unfortunately fell in the circumstances. You know, he had the long layoff. He apparently had a minor injury, missed the scrimmage. I don't think it's that big of a deal. You know, I think he's what, 22? And he, he missed most of camp. Everything was stacked against him. It sucks because he played really well in, in Switzerland. I would not be surprised if they just want him out there being the number one guy. They under like realistically, I don't see him playing bottom like a bottom pair line. I think it was more like, hey, well, if we're landing struggled, you probably play him. But you know, just have him in Belleville. It's a fifty-six game season. You know, have him in Belleville, learning, playing more, being a top guy, and he comes into camp next year. You won't have Mike Riley. You won't have Coburn in the way. You hell, you may not even have. Uh, oh, well, Landon in the way of of a roster spot next season. So I'm not concerned about it. If he doesn't make the camp next year, that's where I start getting concerned. Yeah. So I just checked. He's 20, He's actually only 21 years old, so he's still really young. Um, but uh, we can't ignore the fact that Jake Sanderson might actually be here next year too. And that that is someone who could potentially be in the way. My thought on Brandstrom this year is, Yes, they've came out publicly and said they see him more suited as a left shot, um, playing on the left side defenseman for the foreseeable future. But um, if he establishes himself, so if he gets called up and starts to produce points and establishes himself uh, in a role in the NHL, I can see them trying him out on the right side if that's the case. Now, over 56-game season, there's not a ton of time to do that. So it would probably take a significant injury early on in the season or something along those lines to happen to really get to see Brandstrom kind of break into the league this season. Um, but we could see him definitely at the latter stages of the, of the season. I would be surprised if he's not on the team. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, I think there's a good chance that, you know, Coburn and Riley are trade chips. Even Willane could be a trade chip, right? If there's a team out there, that looks at Willan and is like, hey, you know, we are missing a top four left-handed defenseman. As much as I like Willanin, if there's a deal on the table that maybe brings back a first or or like a package of second round picks, if you don't like realistically, where does Willan fit into the roster long term? And that's kind of where Pierre Dorian has to look at. Like you have Sanderson, uh, who is most likely going to be that number two left-handed defenseman. You're probably going to move Branstrom to the right side eventually. Is Willan? Willan is not a bottom pairing defenseman. 
So eventually, either he has to can take control of that, or he's going to play somewhere else. And, it, and that's kind of just the reality of the situation for Willanen. Like, Willanen's not playing t- not just for Ottawa this year. He's playing for the other 31 teams because Seattle's now going to be in the league next year. Yeah, and, and he is a 25-year-old, so... I know, I know we, a lot of people consider Willanen a prospect. He's not really a prospect. He's just battled a lot of injury troubles. Um, I thought a couple of years ago he looked like he was ready to be a top four defenseman in the league. We'll see this season what Christian Willanen is. It's, if he isn't a top four, uh, can you keep him around and use him on that bottom pairing as an offensive option and then play him on the second power play unit? You could. I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing. He's not under a huge contract or anything. So you could do that. Um, But at the same time, yeah, it's uh, definitely clogging up a little bit, specifically on that left side. Um, And that's why we asked the question, you know, why is Brandstrom still considered a left shot D or is Sanderson a guy who could play his other side or is Shabbat the guy that can play his other side? We don't know that yet. And that's why we have all those questions, but uh, that's for the future to answer. Um, my thought is we're probably going to see a trade. Not all of the players that you see right now are going to stick around in the long-term picture of the team. It almost never happens. So my thought is at some point down the road, maybe in the off season, we see a trade that kind of offsets how heavy things are on the left side. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think we have to remember again, players are not just playing for Ottawa. They are playing for the other 31 teams in the league as well. But, you know, it's been a great episode. You know, a lot of information. It was a great pleasure having Ian Mendez on the show. Um, Before we go, Dylan Larkin was just named captain of the Detroit Red Wings. So I think that leaves only like four teams that don't have a captain. I think they're Ottawa. I know Ottawa and the Rangers are the two. Vegas is one. Um and I think, actually, that might be it. I think there's only the three. Oh, Minnesota. Oh, no, Minnesota named Spurgeon. Uh, so I think that might be the only three that I can think of off the top of my head that don't have a captain heading into this season. And Vegas is, from what I heard yesterday, they're going to select a captain today. So Yeah, um, like I, I'm not really sure what's going on with Vegas. So we could only be the two teams of the Rangers and the, the Sens not having a captain heading into this season as, as that I can remember off the top of my head. Yeah, and personally, I'm fine with it. I think Ottawa's in a situation where they should probably wait at least until a contract extension is in place with Kachuk um, or someone else kind of emerges as, uh, you know, someone that could enter the conversation because right now it's just Shabbat and Kachuk uh, in that conversation in the organization's eyes. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah, it's going to be definitely interesting. But... That being said, guys, thank you all for tuning in uh, this morning. It was a pleasure doing the show, having Ian Mendez on. Uh, as always, find us, Sends underscore hour, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube. Uh, subscribe, like, comment, share the, the video. The podcasts are out Monday and Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, wherever you find them. You find myself, Shane underscore Ryan 97, and you can find Derek at DLee075. Uh, remember, check out his Sends shot and his New Era Sends articles. Thank you again, Ian uh, Mendez, uh, for coming on. New writer for the senior writer for the Athletic, and hey, we are literally right now at the time of the recording, two days away from the first Suns game in over 300 days. I'm super excited. I hope you all are excited. Uh, and yeah, go Suns, go! 
the the new the hashtag has the new logo on it. Super excited about that. But yeah, uh, stay safe uh, and ex- enjoy the hockey. I know we've all been missing it. Uh, and yeah, we will catch you back here with the uh, a game update for the first time in you know ten months on Monday. We'll have the the Ottawa Toronto game uh, replays or recaps on our next episode. And again, guys. Uh, sponsored by Customized Sports. Check them out. You can get your Timmy Stutzla amulet name uh, jersey kits there. Sends hour for 10% off your order. Anyways, guys, have a wonderful one, and we'll catch you back here on Monday. Take care.